All right, everybody. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, depending on what part of the globe you are listening and watching us from. Uh, my name is Rafael Gonçalves. I am from Brazil. I'm the communications coordinator for CarConnex, and I'm very happy to be here uh, talking and debating and learning. Why not? Every day this job is a learning opportunity. Uh, and I'm very happy to be here today with our car partner, Curtis Spears, uh, president and CEO of Andes Capital. Uh, Curtis, please welcome. I'm very happy to be co-hosting this with you. So tell us a little bit more about you and a little bit about your background. Tell us about your company and what you do, please. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Raphael. And thank you to CoreConnect as well for all you do in this space and being a leader in this space and inviting me on the show. I really appreciate this. Um, so um, there's a lot to cover. So I was born and raised in, uh, in Chicago, Illinois, um, on the west side, uh, in the part of the west side that folks, you know, some folks call it the hood. Um, grew up there. I actually went to uh, a very prominent high school called Lane Tech on the north side of Chicago, not too far from Wrigley Field. Uh, ended up going to Northwestern uh, University in Evanston, uh, Big Ten school, and um, you know, and I played football there. Played football there, uh, and I majored in computer science. Uh, you know, played a good three and a half years there. Then I ended up having a career-ending uh, injury, and so thank goodness I had a good a good major that I could fall back on. Uh, so after school, I uh, ended up working for Baxter Healthcare as my as my first job as a uh, programmer analyst uh, in their operating system group. And uh, I actually interned there when I was in school at, at NU and ended up going back there to work full time. Uh, found out that um, as a regular employee, it's not the same experience as an intern. <laughs> it wasn't as much fun. And so I spent you know, my days just really you know, in a cube, uh, writing and testing code all day long. So not the most exciting job for me. So I started looking for something else. Uh, so last there about six months, and then I got a call because I was looking from a group called American National Bank uh, in downtown Chicago, and they were looking for a person that they could um, who who could program, who they could teach how to manage money. All right, and they were an index fund shop. So this is back when you could actually charge ten to twenty basis points for an index fund. So this is this is going way back. Uh, so they brought me in. We had a good chat. Um, and I ended up working there, and that was my first entree into, you know, the financial uh, and the finance. Uh, knew nothing about finance, right? Uh, but I learned pretty quickly. And I was a guy who they had. Uh, I, I was a guy who wrote the programs that we used to manage the money. Uh, so worked at American National for about eight years. We were acquired by Northern Trust in '98. Uh, so I, you know, maintained the same role at Northern Trust for a couple of years. Then I actually moved into the uh, sales and client services side of the business. Uh, so I worked with primarily institutions, um, you know, uh, mid to large size public pension funds um, uh, across the country um, and then worked in that position there for about five years Then moved on to fifth third asset management where I had, you know, kind of a similar role. But I headed up public fund sales for the firm for some years there, uh, left fifth third and went to work for my first broker dealer. Uh, which was uh, Gardner Rich, uh, and you know most folks don't know the firm, but you might know uh, the person uh, if you saw the movie Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, Will Smith portrayed a guy named Chris Gardner, so I used to run yes, his. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I ran his broker dealer for for a couple of years, and actually wow. I, I knew Chris for for a long time. 
when I was at American National Bank, we were his first uh, brokerage client, equity brokerage client. So we had a, a long time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He had been chasing me for a while and he finally got me. So I spent a couple of years there. That's where kind of, you know, cut my teeth on the brokerage side. <clears throat> then left that and went to work for uh, an investment consulting firm called Gray & Company. And uh, we consulted to, uh, you know, uh, public funds, uh, foundation endowments and a few company offices. Uh, so I was head of sales there as well. Uh, then left there right when I moved to uh, L.A. from uh, from Chicago about, about 10 years ago. Uh, and so left there and I was trying to figure out what, what can I do next? Uh, and a buddy of mine actually was one of the original owners of Andy's Capital. And he asked me to come on board. He's like, hey, you know, we need somebody to come in, kind of write the ship. Are you interested? And I said, no. <laughs> uh, I was like, no, you know, I've been there, done that. That's that's a hard task to do. Uh, then they said they'd offer me some equity in the firm. Uh, so one of the partners of the firm. And they let me pretty much do what I wanted to do. So um, that seemed a little more appealing. And that's how I uh, ended up at Andy's Capital. Uh, you know, when I first joined the firm uh, about 10 years ago, uh, we did primarily uh, public secondary trading, uh, mostly equities and a little bit of fixed income. Uh, and that was kind of our biz for the first few years. But, you know, it's it's a tough biz to be in, a tough biz to kind of break into unless you're, you know, a larger shop, a lot of volume. And we were doing just domestic trades. Uh, we weren't doing anything, anything international. And so uh, I figured, you know what, let me figure out what's what's the next big wave or where's the space that we could be competitive in. Uh, and so we have been doing some private placements, you know, selling private equity uh, funds to our you know, folks. And that's when we kind of made a decision to shut down the trading event for public securities and focus just on, on private placements. Okay. Wow. That's that's quite a career for somebody who says, oh, I didn't know anything about finance. <laughs> that's quite a that's quite a career that's quite impressive you know and yeah as uh, one of my friends said I've, I've been around the block in finance so <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's amazing that's amazing i i worked myself for the volkswagen bank in brazil and when i joined it i said wow i didn't even know that automakers had banks <laughs> and i spent 10 years there so that's that that's amazing how our career sometimes throws us into yeah. some things that Right, you had the technology degree, and then you ended up in finance, and that's that's just life, right? Like that's yeah. You had you had you had your career-ending injury. That's that's bad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. football, but then you then you you found a way in finance. That's that's nice. That's that's life, man. That's life. That's good. So uh, first of all, Curtis, I would like to to open talking about uh, uh, you being a black man ahead of a financial services company. I mean, uh, uh, it would be wonderful if you could talk about the importance of the diversity and inclusion in this area, uh, which we normally have mostly white men. Uh, would you see yourself as kind of a role model uh, for the sector? Uh, well, you know, I never set out to be a role model, but I guess I, I, I am in some sense of the word, um, you know, as I did come from, you know, the west side of chicago and was able to make it you know out of there into a very you know prominent role uh you know and i don't know if i mentioned but you know throughout my career i either really did focus on either helping other minorities uh in this space so in that northern trust they had an emerging manager program and so i helped nice. other other managers you know uh get assets to you know to run their business uh when i was at gardner rich it's you know it's a minority owned broker dealer 
so, you know, being a minority firm itself and also helping other minority firms uh, get started and help them raise assets. And while at uh, a grand company, once again, that was a minority owned firm and we had a, you know, a, a keen focus on trying to help other minority firms uh, get going. So, uh, it, you know, I guess running a firm myself, you know, it's not, I'm not running Goldman Sachs, but still in a prominent position. Uh, I think there could be more people like me, you know, in this role, right? We need to see more folks. We need greater access to it because one of the things when you have diverse folks like me, uh, it, we add uh, innovation and, and creativity you know, to the process, right? And we fill those holes that, you know, uh, as you say, white men can't really fill because they don't have the same experiences that we have. Exactly. So we have value in that way. Yeah, and being a role model is not something we think about, right? I, I think it's more or more like something that just comes up. And uh, in your case, it's it, it really it really did come up, right? You you made your way through it, and you found an opportunity to do so. And uh, do you see that uh, in this industry, you started as a computer programmer of some sort? Uh, so do you believe that, especially nowadays, where we can reach? Uh, uh, when you can reach further places in the globe and you don't have to be in Los Angeles or New York or Miami to 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 be inside a, a great center. Uh, do you believe that technology is the best way for this diversity and inclusion uh, uh, programs that we have nowadays? So, yeah, I mean, technology is is definitely, you know, kind of a game changer and uh, allowing access for folks, uh, you know, into this space, no matter where you're at, uh, it's very important and it makes things uh, a lot easier and gives you more with a lot less, I would say. So that's definitely, that's definitely important for sure. Uh, but also too, I think when you're talking about, you know, increasing diversity, uh, it, it still starts from the top. Uh, you still need the people uh, to embrace it as well. So technology helps, right? Uh, but you still need the folks, you know, who, who actually run the show uh, or folks who, who have the money, right, to, to, to embrace, uh, you know, folks, women and, and people of color. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's that's most of what we do at CarConnects and you and at this capital as well as uh, democratizing access to capital, right? Because uh, that, that's all about democratizing things, access to capital, access to technology, access to information. And that's why we're here, because we, we love to educate markets. We love to educate entrepreneurs. And that's what we're here for, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's it. Uh, in our last core summit, which we held in October 2022, uh, we were together. Uh, we had a session with you. You were there with us talking about the cannabis business, which is a very promising business. Uh, but you consider yourself and, and this capital as a whole as industry agnostic uh i mean you you do believe in something but you do not follow a religion right uh so as, as a broker dealer uh what is the good part of being industry agnostic like that what do you consider to be your strengths on that yeah so uh being open to all industries gives us access to uh a lot more deals um you know because deal flow is is definitely important uh, access to a lot more uh, information, all right? Um, and uh, and also too, you know, and me personally, because I do a lot of the due diligence on the deals, uh, it helps me to learn more about the other industries out there. 
I mean, just over the last couple of years, because um, we do both, you know, funds and, and direct deals. Uh, you know, through COVID, I worked on a couple of deals, getting labs set up. Uh, we worked with the city of Chicago on their mobile vaccination uh, effort. Um, and so then also too, um, you know, I get to meet other interesting people. Uh, we have a fund out of Southern California uh, that's actually Aaron Rodgers, the football player, is a GP of, and so they they, run, they have an influencer fund. So we get in touch with folks like that. Uh, had a call today with I can't say his name, but a very prominent NBA player in his family office. Uh, so just having access to all types of uh, you know uh, interesting people, interesting deals is something that you know I think is very you know much a pro for us. And also too, you know, at Andy's, uh, we're, we're kind of we're kind of twofold, right? We have uh, folks who kind of wave the Andy's flag and do direct deals for Andy's, and we also have people who kind of use us as a concierge BD, right? So they come to us with their own deals and, and their own um, own investors, and they use us as kind of like the the um, the compliance for those deals. And so, yeah, just just once again, just giving you know access to all types of uh, deals and, and deal flow. It's, it's been, you know, for us, very helpful. Yeah, that's nice. Our, Aaron Rodgers is quite a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's okay. He's done all right over the years, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 uh, the Green Bay Packers haven't been very good for him lately, but he's a great player. He's a great, great they've had, uh, they've a had great some, quarterback. Yeah, injury issues, some struggles, but I think they'll be fun. They just beat Dallas. Over the weekend in a, in a big game, so I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, are you a Green Bay Packers fan or no? No, <laughs> no, no. Okay. no, no, no. I'm, I'm from Chicago. I'm a Chicago Bears yeah. fan, and since I moved to LA, I'm a LA Rams fan as well. Yeah, okay, always. Good. Yeah, Bears fan for sure. Yeah, the, the the kicker from Chicago Bears is from Brazil. Kaido Santos is from Brazil yeah. as well. Yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. He's a good kicker. He's a good kicker. Am I Miami Dolphins fan? I'm, I started watching when I when I when Dan Marino was on, so <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a Dolphins fan. Uh, that's nice. That's very good. So uh, it's it's good because you have all this all this background uh, on many industries, and uh, you you have access to all this different, sorry, to these different uh, industries. But uh, uh, when you are specialized, uh, you're not industry agnostic exactly. Uh, you have the chance to build a stronger relationship with partners, don't you? So uh, uh, how, would, how would you see that difference between being specialized or being industry agnostic? Uh, uh, I mean, it's all about building relationships, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a relationship business, that's for sure. Uh, I would just say when you're, if you're specialized, you know, you can be seen as an, an expert in the space um and so uh you know that could definitely add value and and when it comes to getting deals um you see the best deals right um because they folks know to come to you as a specialist in the space uh you know within andy's we do have uh see a lot of real estate deals and so we have two people who who focus just on real estate and so anything that comes up at least in the u.s that's real estate related Uh, they usually, you know, kind of have their pulse on it. So that's where at least being specialized definitely does have some sort of advantage. So you actually have to really, you know, focus on, you know, two aspects, right? The, the deal flow that you see the mm -hmm. best deal flow on. And also, too, um, you get access to some of the, you know, the best investors as well. 
who, who come to you as a, you know, as a, a as a thought leader in the space when it comes to, you know, what they're working on, what they're doing, and also the deals they're looking for. Yeah, the, the real the real estate business is changing a lot with technology, right? With the tokenization, and there's a lot going on in this in this vertical, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ever ever changing, you know, and technology is making it even easier for folks to get access to real estate uh, investments. Yeah, yes, we we had uh, our previous episode actually was with Height uh, Zero, Laura Pomatian and they work exclusively with real estate and uh i was amazed on on, on the the huge ecosystem there is behind real estate because when you think about real estate oh i got a house to live or sell a house or buy a, a condo or, but it's huge uh, mm -hmm. uh oscar uh, uh, our ceo actually said saying that you work with real estate is just like saying i work with internet it's huge right 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 yeah, and th th this is this is what all we've been talking about, right? Access, because we're democratizing and creating new opportunities, and that's uh, and that's good. So uh, being industry agnostic uh, allows you to learn a lot and to see a lot of changes going on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And also too, just you know, with that basic knowledge, you can also kind of predict uh, what changes will be, right? Uh, and one of the things we're trying to figure out now is, you know, you, you mentioned cannabis as being a you know hot sector. Uh, although I'm not really hot on cannabis right now, but also trying to figure out, you know, based on the folks we talk to, the folks we see, what's going to be the next cannabis deal, right? You know, what can we get in? What can we find out and, and be early on is what we're looking for? And that gives us access to that as well. Yeah, I don't know if that's the million dollar question, but that surely is the billion dollar answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, especially especially with cannabis, because Joe Biden uh, apparently he's been struggling to to make it legal. He has already dropped charges, right, on on people who were charged on on possession alone. I'm not quite sure. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Mm -hmm. But uh, but the, the America seems to be uh, USA seems to be walking towards uh, legalization pretty soon. Yeah, Which yeah, yeah. That that's the hope, and that's going to be the big driver on whether or not it's, you know, really a good investment or not, right? Um, I know a lot of folks who, who, who got in early and made a lot of money, right? Um, right now, it's, it's a little bit tough because really it's the, the, the basic thing is if you invest in cannabis now, one, you should know what you're doing, right? Because it's, it's you know, it's still kind of in that shady landscape, but it's just a matter of the real bet is when it'll go legal. And that's what folks can really make some, some return on their capital. Yeah, I see. I see cannabis as a. Uh, it's not legal here in Brazil. Uh, at least uh, we have uh, some medicines and some very specific cases where it, it is allowed to use the CBD. But uh, the way I see it, I see it as technology. That's basically it. We, we need to research a chemical compound, a natural chemical compound that has potential. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's technology, right? Yeah, yeah. It's ju just like just like the big pharma companies spent years working uh, the past two years working on a uh, on on COVID vaccines. I mean, it's it's something that's got to be studied. I see it as technology. That's that's how I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How can you how can you grow more faster, basically, uh, and good quality? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's just just like alcohol, just like anything. Cars, you can use cars for bad purposes, right? 
Right, right. I, I definitely see it as technology, and of course, there's risk involved. But uh, uh, which which industry doesn't have risks? Uh, I'm not quite sure there is one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about uh, cannabis, about our core summit, which we were together. We, you just mentioned real estate. Uh, uh, are there any other sectors that you believe that can be good opportunities for investors or maybe even for entrepreneurs? I don't know. So, yeah, going back, real estate definitely is one that, um, you know, that we are high on. I think real estate's always in a position because it's, you know, it's a finite resource, right? Some say it's a resource that we're losing because of global warming. Uh, and then, you know, within real estate, you know, there's always something for anybody's um, uh, risk appetite, right? So if you want just to buy some property and collect some rents, you know, uh, you got that. That's a very low risk uh, uh, environment. Or if you want to go into, you know, construction, new construction, right? That's another, another space to be in. Uh, the big thing now in real estate um, is trying to find ways to uh, build more workforce housing, especially here in the U.S., and another big one is uh, is you know building built to rent type homes because of COVID. A lot of folks are looking for more privacy, uh, want to be further away from the city, but don't really have the money for a down payment. So that's another space within real estate that, that I think is very popular. Um, uh, anything that ends in tech <laughs> is, is 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 always always a, a good bet, right? And that's a lot of stuff that we see, uh, mainly in the in the med tech space. Uh, we see a lot of those deals come through our desk. I think the most recent one. Um, that we're looking at now is, uh, is a group that is um, a leader in uh, detecting uh, lung cancer, um, and so they have a they're they're recreating a CRT type software to detect um, you know the smallest of nodules in someone's lungs to detect that. So uh, so you have tons of companies like that who are coming out right, and you always see them because a lot of times those companies they're usually a one product firm right, so they always need some sort of capital vc capital or series a type capital uh to you know to continue their research as well uh we see a lot of uh at least recently a lot of cybersecurity deals across our desk as well because uh, that's a you know big big concern right now um and also too which is you know it's been big in, in europe for a long time uh and it's gotten big here you know somewhat recently is that anything that involves uh, esg is always a, a, a good uh, a good type of uh, uh, investment to consider, and we've actually seen a lot of um, uh, carbon credit deals or projects that have come up that we see. It's not something that we necessarily do quite a bit of, but we've been seeing a lot of folks approach us with it. Yeah, you, two things that you said that really called my attention: uh, uh, the cybersecurity issues. Uh, I read an article couple of weeks ago saying that cybersecurity is the new uh, uh, bank security, right? Mm -hmm. uh, back 30 years ago, we had those guys in front of the banks with guns and making protection. That's cybersecurity now is all about that because we don't have money anymore. We have data. We have right. banks and blockchain and whatever it is just affirming. Yeah, you have this amount of money. You can use this amount of cash, but I don't have the cash itself. I don't have the paper or right. Uh, yeah. The only thing that proves that I have that money is data. So cybersecurity is basically the, the new bank security, bank guards. Yeah, yeah. Every, and, everything, uh, everything now is, is online or you say through data, you know, it's, it's so 
it's 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 extremely important for us right now. And you hear about the the ransomware issues that we have, and just just you know payment security is is huge as well too. So uh, it's 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 really important. And you know, as they say, yeah, you know, being a you know, I'm not as much into it now, but you know, being a computer guy, and they say you know, no one, no one is necessarily you know, hack proof, right? If they want to get you, they can get you, but you want to at least set it up where you can at least you know, throw it off the 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 you know the the common uh, hacker per se. Yeah, people always think of, about hackers as that um, Mr. Robot image, right? <laughs> uh, but that's not exactly how it happens, right? I mean, it yeah. does happen, but but that's one kind of hacker. The, the stereotype is not always true. I mean, you can mm -hmm. have a hacker uh, plug something to the ATM to to grab your credit card your, or your bank accounts. I mean, it, you don't have to be that Mr. Robot thing mm -hmm. to, to be hacked, or you don't have to be a big company. Oh, why are people going to hack me? Yes, they yeah. are, probably because they're more, more vulnerable. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And also too, because we're working on one deal right now where they're, they're focused on uh, online security for for children who use the web as well. You know, so it's not just for us adults; it's also for the kids too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially especially after the, the pandemic, uh, a lot of uh, uh, online schooling and kids are having more access for uh, mm -hmm. uh, to to technology and to online spaces and to online virtual rooms. Yes, so that's that is definitely an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Issue. Yeah, you also mentioned ESG and the uh, the carbon credit. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I just mentioned that there are no risk free industries, but uh, I, I think that I believe that ESG, uh, uh, the, the ESG topic is going to keep increasing for the next decades. Because uh, I really don't see how we can we can walk away from this kind of environmental and sustainability sustainability issues. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's that's probably a, definitely a whole other uh, webcast series. But uh, totally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, and it, it, it's we're for most folks right some most folks believe some folks don't believe right but you know we're, we're i think we're fighting for our lives on the earth here right uh if nothing is done if you believe in global warming all right uh and just you know we're, we're looking for being able to maintain our certain quality of life and maintain life in general so uh you know especially the e part of it is definitely important uh and then also just making sure that uh, companies are, are governed in a certain way. Uh, that's that's important too. Just like I said, just for sustainability. So, yeah, you, you just mentioned Will Smith from from the movie, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm going to quote him again when he when he punched Chris Rock and the Oscars. He said he was a work in progress, right? Right. We are all right. working progress. We are all works in progress. I mean, companies. If you said that this was going to be a big deal 50 years ago, you said, "Ah, oh, come on." No. It's not no way, yeah, but yeah, we are work work in progress. Everybody's yeah. in progress. All the companies are in progress. I mean, I I just said that I spent the uh, last decade at Volkswagen. The company was one when I joined, and it became a completely different one uh, when I left. Mm -hmm. In in, in, a sp in a no longer than ten years, the company has changed completely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, the, the only constant is change. Uh, uh, the only constant is change, and uh, that's why I do believe that 
uh, <clears throat> sorry, I do believe that uh, democratizing the access to capital is is the best opportunity we have to save lives and to empower people. That's yeah. that's what we've been doing. Reg A, Reg CF, Reg D, Reg S. I mean, th there's room. There's room for everyone to grow and to and to have access to their to the money and to the capital they need, so they can so they can produce and create more jobs and products and save lives. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it gives yeah, it gives everyone a chance to participate, right? That's yeah. the big thing. So, if you're looking to start up, you know, their own company, uh, they don't have to rely on you know having relationships with you know, the, the big, you know, VC or PE investors anymore. Uh, they can go straight to the crowd. And then the crowd itself who, you know, who've been looking for ways to, you know, invest in the things they care about. Um, and, and and also, you know, having a chance to uh, be allowed to get those outsized returns to uh, the early investors in certain deals, that's there for them as well. So uh, definitely a game changer. Yeah, yes. Oops. Sorry, I almost muted my microphone here. Sorry. Yes. Uh, that's so. Uh, we talked a little bit about being industry agnostic, about being specialized, about being uh, 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 in these two different uh, company ways of working. Uh, but uh, and this capital has relationships that span every type of investor, right? You have the most prominent institutions. You have small retail individuals. Uh, what are the differences? We already talked a little bit about uh, democratization, but what are the differences from a broker-dealer perspective between working in these two different scenarios? Uh, fees that <laughs> we could charge is one big difference. <laughs> that's a, that's important for from a BD perspective. Uh, you know, really, what what you what you can show them, what they're looking for, um, and um, you know, and, and the, the size and how they invest and who who protects the money is are, are all big differences. Um, you know, with large institutions, uh, you know, they're usually not doing direct deals. They're looking to invest in, in funds, right? Because they have a lot of money uh, that they have to put to work. So they're looking, you know, some folks, uh, when it comes to the private markets, they can't write a check less than, say, $100 million, right? So they're looking for these, you know, the big billion dollar funds, you know, $10 billion funds that are offered by like your Blackstones, your Black Rocks, your, your Apollos, uh, you know, to invest in. And and as you approach them as a, you know, as a, you know, a salesperson and, you know, us as like a placement agent, um, you know, the, the the sales cycle can be long, right? It could be one to two years per se, right? And the folks you have to get through to get access or to get, you know, an allocation um, it's, it's, it's a process, right? So usually uh, I call it a three pronged approach. Um, usually have, you know, at the, at the fund itself, you have the investment staff, uh, that you have to, you know, they have to know you and feel good about you. Uh, they all have a board of trustees who, you know, kind of set the policy and make decisions and also pick managers as well. And they all usually have a, you know, an outside consultant that you have to, you know, run your, your products through, right? And usually, um, the, the way they like it done is like you hit the consultant first, uh, they review your product and then they approve it. Right. And then whenever this you know, large institution has a search, um, you know, you hope to be included as one of the finalists that present to the board. Uh, then the board and staff kind of make that decision. Um, and so that's kind of how that works on the larger institution side. Um, then there's that kind of middle space, especially with family offices. And there are some that are, are large 
and operate like an institution. But there are others that are, you know, a little bit smaller, maybe in like that 10 to, you know, $100 million range. And those folks, you know, they, it's usually one or two people <laughs> that you have to approach to, to get some money. You can, you know, unlike a large institution, sometimes you can walk in um, and if you do a, a decent pitch, you can walk out with a check, right? A lot of times too, you can build such a great relationship with them. They may turn to you when you talk about being specialized, they can actually turn to you and say, Hey, you know, we're looking for this type of you know, investment, you know, is that something you have or is that something you can find for us? All right. Um, and, and also too, for large institutions and, and, and most family offices, you can easily find them. You can, you know, pay for a database, find who they are. Uh, now on the retail side, it's a little bit different. Um, because you know those folks are a little harder to uh, to identify, uh, and you got to find a way to kind of create a a you know a following, right? Uh, especially when it comes to if you're doing a crowdfunding deal, uh, and you want to try to source some capital that way, you got to really you know come at it from usually one of two ways. Um, and this is something we're still kind of learning because we're still new to this 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 part of the of the spectrum. But uh, you know what we found that that has worked so far is that if you are a person who uh, is an influencer and has some sort of following uh, in a certain space. Uh, and then you decide that, say, if you're someone who, you know, uh, is maybe who knows real estate well, right? And you have some sort of podcasts on on real estate and you decide that you want to do, raise your own fund in real estate, right? And you already have a following of, say, a half a million people uh, that follow you, that listen to your podcast or your YouTube channel, what have you. Um, and that's one way that you can, you know, you already have a base you can turn to if you decide to do some sort of raise, uh, to raise money to do some sort of real estate deal. And another way is just to, to hire their third party companies that actually help folks with their marketing. You know, you, at Core Connection, you have a few marketing partners that, that work with folks who, you know, have their own set database of investors that they can turn to and kind of, you know, pinpoint who, what folks would be, you know, attract or express interest in that type of deal. So a little bit different on retail than institutional, uh, but, you know, still all can be approached if, if done the right way. Yeah, well, in, in, in a nutshell, uh, that, was, that was a great explanation. on Big nutshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, uh, I know I know that, uh, of, co of course, that uh, a prominent institution, like I mentioned, they have totally different needs uh, in, in, when we talk about capital, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it still can be done. It doesn't matter if you're in your garage. Right, 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 right. It, it yeah, and as they, yeah, they typically know what they want. They, they, they set investment policies, they set up an asset allocation. So they say, we, they're the buckets that we, that we want to fill, right? And so is this something that you have or you can create? This is what we want to see. If you don't have this, you know, don't waste our time, basically. But when you look at the, you know, accredited investors in retail, you're a little bit different, right? They can be open to, you know, something a little bit different to invest in. Also, too, with family offices, the smaller ones, too, uh, who like, you know, direct deals. With something that they feel that, you know, could make them some money, um, they'll take a look and, you know, and if it's attractive, they'll, they'll write you a check. Yeah, they, they write you a check. That's the magic moment. Yeah, write you a check. Yeah. Yes, exactly. we, we are all waiting for That's That's... That's the magic moment. Uh, that's that's that that's been great, uh, Curtis. Uh, are there any other aspects you would like to mention? Uh, uh, maybe it's something about crowdfunding, because sometimes when you mention crowdfunding, a lot of people think about Kickstarter, 
and about losing money. And that's not it, right? That's, that's something totally different with the with the Jobs Act. Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't see crowdfunding as something where you where you lose your money, right? Um, it's it's a place where an idea where you know you have the chance to vet investments that you didn't have access to before, right? Uh, have a chance to get in early on certain investments too, especially when it's a use a Rex CF or firms that are just starting out. Uh, and you know, definitely when you invest, you know, money's at risk, but you know, you do you do have the confidence and you know and the VDs that scrub the deals. And also your own intelligence too to, to see what deals you know make sense to you and i you know and i tell the investors you know if it's something that you're interested in you know, it would help if it's something that you know a little bit about right uh or something you have a passion about uh which may help uh in your investment decision making yeah yeah you don't have to be a specialist uh as a non-accredited investor you don't have to be a specialist you just have to to believe and to have some idea of the the market you're about to enter yeah, about and the also, journey you are about to start. Yeah, and, and the market is moving more towards you know private investments anyway because uh, less and less companies are going public now. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know I was an index fund uh, manager you know back in the day, and and you had this index called the Wilshire Five Thousand, which was supposed to be represent the entire U.S. equity market, and and back then it had over uh, you know seven thousand securities in it, right? Uh, now we look at it, you're looking at about, it has about half, over 3,000 securities. And then which was most of the firms, even these big unicorns are staying, they're staying private because they, they can be more nimble, they have more control, uh, they're not subjected to, you know, the, the uh, government uh, disclosing regulations. And so you have a lot of, a lot of places where you can actually make some money with firms that are staying private. Yes, yes, that's, that's the beauty of it, right? You maintain control as you are able to, to, to do your stuff, right? Right, yeah, exactly. So I, I believe that's it, Curtis. I believe you mentioned we covered everything we wanted to. We are reaching almost 40 minutes. Wow. Yeah, if we started talking about the ESG thing, we would go on for two, three hours maybe, and we would have, we would have things to talk about, especially about the private capital markets. Uh, so I, I believe you, we could wrap it up with your final thoughts and on the private capital market, say our goodbyes and invite everyone over for your, to follow your page and follow you on LinkedIn. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you again, Raphael. I appreciate it, uh, for the, uh, for the time. Um, you know, I think, although it's been around for a long time, I think this is like the new wave in private investing. Uh, and so if you're someone, you know, who has not done it yet, um, uh, Definitely investigate it and see if you're never going to do it now, at least be abreast of what's going on and how it's done. And because you might see something you like that you want to put money into, uh, because it's, it, this is definitely the new way. Uh, and, and, and once it, there's not a, a, a big market that's secondary to establish yet, but that's coming, I think. And once that gets established, uh, I think this will be, you know, for a lot of folks, the primary way they invest their, their assets. That's that's good. Yeah, we, we're probably gonna have more more opportunities to talk and to and to talk about the secondary market, and there's a lot to go on about that. So yeah, uh, let's wrap it up for today. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Curtis. Once again, uh, if you're listening or watching us on LinkedIn, on Spotify, uh, follow Endis Capital uh, on LinkedIn, and please uh, follow, subscribe to follow our Spotify channel. You can also catch us on Amazon Music, on uh, YouTube Live 
on on Apple Podcasts. I mean, we are in several podcast players. Uh, so it was a pleasure having you here, Curtis. And please follow CarConnex in our social media. And see you next time, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one.